You're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast hosted by the team here at Soul Strategies. We hope you like the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Soul Strategies podcast. I'm James Ray. James gets political on TikTok. And today we're going to have, be having a roundtable discussion about Soul Strategies and their recently completed New York operations with, well, basically a good amount of the crew. Uh, so how about, first of all, y'all go around and introduce yourselves. My name is Ryan Vasquez. I'm the director of the New Jersey field office for Seoul. Um, I've been working for Seoul for a few months now. Um, it's a great new home. Uh, just got through the intense New York primary season, um, and me and my partner here survived. So we're looking forward to sharing some war stories and, you know, talking about what that was like today. My name is Nate. I am a field captain, and I hopped on um, towards the end of the New York City campaign. And honestly, it was been some of the most fun campaigning I've done in my life. The candidates that we work for here are pretty amazing. Um, and I came from a background of uh, social work, and I've been in the Peace Corps, I've been in Madagascar, I've been there for a year, so I'd love to build communities and work with people. And, you know, that's what I'm aiming to do here at Soul Strategies. My name is Lorianne. Um, I started out as a canvasser when I was 16. I've been doing this for 10 years. I went up and became a field captain. Currently, I am the director of client services, so I'm just here to maximize your satisfaction in your campaign and help you win. Amazing. Okay, so uh, in that case, uh, let's get started. Uh, just to start broadly, uh, how was it? I mean, I know campaigning in New York can be unbelievably stressful, and at times it seems the chaos is relatively nonstop. So how do we feel looking back? Well, it's good to be back now that the dust is settled on the races. I think that there comes a point in time where like the days really start to bleed together. And the only day that you're really looking at at the calendar is Election Day when it's all over. Um, but that said, I think that every single race, we had about 25 to 30 races in the city this year. And every single race was different in its own respect, whether it was the diversity of the neighborhood that we were walking in or the candidate, the platform of the candidate, the makeup of the candidate staff. So like everybody has a very, very interesting story and nobody's primary was the same for us at Seoul in, in New York. And it was a pretty amazing thing to come together afterwards and talk about that. Yeah, I mean, now that it's awesome. over, you're asking? How do we feel yeah, about no, that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, now that like- some <laughs> sucks, man. Before, you know, I want to be out campaigning again. Um, it's so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a relief when it's all over and, like, you could really decompress, but I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking to Z the other day and I was like, hey, like, when are we getting back on doors? And she's like, well, Ryan, the general election is <laughs> yeah. in November. And I'm like, no, like, I want to get back on doors now. Right? Like, if there are policy issues, we can, can't, come on, we got to build something, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I knocked my neighbors the other day just for fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if the, uh, if the primary is in November, we should actually start door knocking now because if you're, if you're looking to win, you would be out on the field now. Yeah, now's the time to start getting organized. Oh, so. 24-7 field campaigns, like, should be the norm, honestly. I mean, <laughs> we should get the money for it, obviously, but that's how it should happen. <laughs> I think, too, like, part of the emotional roller coaster of campaigns is that, that like, right now we're wishing to be back on doors. And then, like, once we're back on doors, we're going to be praying for election day. Like, oh, my God, when is this going to be over? But that's, like, part of the ebbs and flows of, like, being on a field team that's as dynamic as this, like we don't take races because they're easy. We take races because they're hard and that's why people hire us. Um, so it's a challenge. Like every race is a puzzle. And when you're in the middle of it, it's like, Oh God, like I want this to end. Like I, like <laughs> I want to get through this. 
Um, but then once it's gone, you miss it. It's like, man, it's like a nice race, right? It's like, it's crazy hard getting through it, and it sucks. But once it's over, it's like, damn, yeah, exactly. that I did no, I mean, that's a, it's a good way to be. I mean, I, I know I was on the ground just for a handful of days, and it seemed like a, a level of chaos that was just impressive in and of itself. Like, I guess that's kind of the stereotype for New York City politics, but it seemed like we had a, overall a pretty good uh, pretty good grasp of it, despite all of the challenges and despite all of the constant uh, just new things that were seemingly creeping up every five to ten minutes, especially just during Election Day where I was there. Um, I imagine is all the prep work and everything gets really, really difficult and very uh, stressful for the team. I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that, like, a lot goes into it. And, like, the way that we run races at Seoul is that, like, a client will have one field captain, but the entire field department works on every race. So, like, we're constantly communicating back and forth, like, knocking theory off of each other, bouncing ideas off of each other. So you're not, like, here you're not a part of one race. You're not just a part of the race that is your responsibility. Here, like, realistically, you're a part of the entire New York primary. And, like, you, you talked about the changes. Like, yeah, there are, like, last-minute changes that happen on every campaign. But specifically this year, also, like, there was ranked choice voting. Um, so it was a completely new dynamic, I think, for everybody involved. No matter how experienced you are, like, nobody's seen a race like this because a race has never happened this way. So it was just something that was really special to be a part of. Yeah, there's no, a lot I mean, of I, I, what? <laughs> I was just going to say, there are a lot of moving pieces going on. Um, so it was a very challenging uh, work. And it was cool working. No, absolutely. Because, I mean, like, we do have these individual candidates, but we are kind of spider web connected um, with all the resources that we share with each other. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing, too, is that specifically on Election Day, between ranked choice voting, coming out of a COVID pandemic, I mean, really not even coming out of it, but being in the middle of one. And then, you know, even in the New York campaign this time around had just rain for a majority of the Election Day. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's so many compounding <laughs> factors that seem like they could just... Uh, swamp and I guess uh, just over like spread a, a campaign apparatus thin and cause just a lot of problems. And I, you know, it feels like it gets handled pretty well by y'all and it's, it's impressive to say the very least. I mean, the team seems like it works very fluidly and very well together. There's obviously like to borrow corporate terminology, like a level of synergy that works really effectively on the ground. And it, it seems fascinating the the kind of the ground game that's deployed, especially for these different candidates. I mean, uh, just in, I mean, just in New York alone during Election Day, just the uh, moving canvassers around, the strategy behind where to put them and why, um, and everything was constantly changing with every different factor, but we stayed on top of it in a way that was really, really fascinating, in my opinion. Um, moving from that, though, like, what borough do you feel like uh, gave you all the most challenges? Uh, you know, because I feel like every borough has its own demons and every, every borough has its own advantages. But uh, were there any in particular that really stood out to you for this election cycle? Do you want to talk about RCV? Because you were everywhere. You were all over the whole city at once. <laughs> I was I actually worked for ranked choice voting, which was really fun because um, it wasn't like we worked for a candidate and we had to talk about any particular platforms. We just went and just expressed to people about how to vote. So it was exciting. Um, the most challenging part was just uh, being one person and managing 60 people in the same area. <laughs> right. But it was it was fun. It was lots of fun. Um, Mainly, it was just us bouncing around from borough to borough. Um, as a canvasser, you struggle. Like, you're out in the field all day doing the dirty work. You have to find a place where you can take a piss. 
<laughs> you have yeah. to eat. You're, you're literally out in the street. So, like, every time when we moved to a different area, people were like, where well, well, I'm going to pee now? And, well, what? you know, where? so that that was the challenge. Six Being a door knocker for, like, six, five, five to six hours, you know, that that was a challenge. And we actually did double shifts. We worked for five to ten hours a day. So <laughs> those are the challenges I came across. <laughs> No, that's fair. I think working nearly half a day at a time uh, would be considered at least a little bit of a challenge. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, do what? No, I agree. You know, it's it, a five-hour shift is like taxing enough. Like you do five-hour shift for two weeks straight, and like that's that's taxing. And Lori did ten-hour shifts, ten hours for a day. two weeks straight. Yes, sixty canvassers. That's like to me was mind-blowing at the time. I was in Staten Island. And Staten Island is a hard enough place to run a race, especially for progressive. And I was like, yeah, like as hard as Staten Island is, I am thankful that I am not Lorian Gonzalez right now because I would have quit <laughs> ten times over just because like that. You know, there's no way that you worked all fourteen days. Yeah, ten hours. I less. took no days off. That is crazy, dude. Yeah. Holy shit! Good for you. Good for you. It's definitely an accomplishment, and that's the thing about field. Like for field captains and field directors, it is an endurance test. Right, and we're constantly like we're nuts. Like I, I say this all the time. Like in order to enjoy this, you have to be a little messed up in the head. Um, <laughs> in order to have like a, a week straight of field and say I want to go back, I want you to take a breather, sleep in a little bit tomorrow, and then put my sneakers on and go knock doors again. You have to be a little like twisted. Um, and we're constantly like pushing ourselves, pushing that record, like trying to beat our, you know, our, our former limit of endurance. And I think for absolutely every field captain this year, we all beat our personal best. So that is something like that we're like, as a field department, we're celebrating that because I think that we just achieved a level of like a level, a level of labor, of labor and, and a, a level of endurance up. that, yeah, we leveled up. Like that's it. Like <laughs> we, yeah, <laughs> for sure. We evolved. You like plan ahead. It's like, damn, okay, I'm taking a day off, and the next week I'm working 14 hour days, and that's 14 <laughs> days in a row. Exactly. It's gonna be fun time. Yeah, I happen to know every public restroom in Staten Island. <laughs> it sounds crazy, choice. but I loved every every everything. Like, I loved being out in the field for that long and having that much conversations because you come back with so many good responses from everybody. You know, you have more people to talk to. For sure, big, <laughs> big teams. Like, so let me ask you a question though. Like, do you prefer? Big teams or like small teams that you get to know over time. I, it's two I different prefer, Russians. I prefer intimate. Um, depending on the candidate, I prefer intimate um, campaigns where it's like five to six canvases because you really get to go in detail and really get to know each person and what they're experiencing out on the field. You get to ask them all these questions and they can be more verbal with you and break down the details. Having sixty people, it's quite an audience for sure <laughs> there's a huge difference between yeah. six and sixty yeah. man that's a lot of yeah. ponchos to hand out when it rains <laughs> yeah. like 12 is a good number <laughs> 12, 12 is like a sweet spot yeah 12 yeah. is pretty solid to handle because like you get to know everybody over time you know and like it's pretty easy to manage still pretty much and multiples of fours work out because like you could fit everybody in cars like in like canvassers cars and stuff I like that yeah oh my god yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I think uh, the one lesson I might have learned in my short stint in New York City was that if you have a car, you are infinitely more valuable than any student. As long as you can drive it. As long as you can drive it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's valid. I mean, <laughs> well, we, 
you know, for a while, the whole idea of like, uh, you know, getting vans for canvassers, like even things like that, like just that little increase in mobility is so unbelievably critical for just even simple tasks of getting people where they need to be in a timely manner. Like right. it's, it's insane how much even like the smallest little, like little addition or the smallest like little increase in efficiency like has for getting canvassers where they need to be and, and increasing their reactivity on the ground. Dude, it's, in, in, in Staten Island, I had two canvassers that brought their skateboards every day. And literally yeah, no, skateboarded like, off, like, like around That's the so turf so in order to get there. Yeah, it was basically, yes, yeah, so so it was dumb. like, skateboard team, how you doing? And they're like, they're practicing their like nolly pop shove it's on break and stuff. But they were actually moving through the doors pretty efficiently because Staten Island, like geographically, is all hills. And where, where we were walking specifically on the North Shore is like hills and neighborhoods that were built in the 1930s. And I don't know, I guess in the 1930s, people had, like, different knee joints. Like, they could just walk differently or something <laughs> like that. But, like, it is not conducive to a modern canvas at all. So what you're saying is people in the 1930s were built differently. Yeah, they were built, <laughs> people in the 1930s were built differently. They had some weird yeah. shit in the water main back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least we know we have canvassers who can efficiently get to where they gotta go. In yeah, that's for matter. sure. Yeah, listen, if, if, we, if, if, if we gotta figure it out, we do. And that was really, that's the, to me, the, the, the overall, um, you know, moral of the story of this election is that, like, we proved to ourselves, to each other, and to all of our clients that if we've got to figure it out, like, we're going to hustle to figure it yeah. out. Because every single race had an element of hustling to figure it out. And that's yeah. what was so fun about it. Yeah, sometimes, well, most of the times that we're, we were stuck with challenges where we didn't know how we was going to go through it or get it done, but we did it. You know, and sure. yeah, we definitely applaud each other at the end of it all. We were so happy election day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, election night, we got together and everybody looked like we were like stepping off like a boat from war. We're like, yo, you survived? <laughs> yeah, you survived. Yeah, I survived. You survived. It was so funny to me watching because I, I was in on the on the last night after everything was over. and Everyone was sitting down. It's just every single person came in looking, looking just exhausted. Like, I have never seen a group of people more happy about just being finished with a task than, like, the crew walking into that bar. Hey, you're listening to the Soul Strategies Podcast. Take a moment to listen to some of our esteemed champions and their takeaways from the program. Thank you, Z and Michael and everybody else in Soul Strategies for, one, reaching out and making sure that we are all part of something bigger and giving us the resources that we may not have even looked for. Head over to soulstrategies.com now to find out more information. For sure. But like, even still, if you remember the conversation of that, man, James, like the like politics doesn't stop. Like we're sitting. Oh at yeah. Table. It was non. And I was cracking up about it. Cause I, I, I sat down and the first thing was all just discussing like the, uh, the exit polls and everything. And I was sitting there and I, the first, the only thought I had is like, we're really never going to escape this hell. I mean, we're <laughs> no, no, we're talking about numbers and then ranked choices. Like, did they hit the victory threshold on the first round? And like numbers are like flying around the table. And it's like, dude, I just want to like order a drink and then sleep for a week. <laughs> no i i was i was honestly i was on my phone watching the uh the polling numbers like a fucking hawk like i was just i wanted to get every single vote that was counted i was just ready to see what was happening it was funny 
Like you get, you get addicted to poll watching almost. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Especially on a day like election day, like election day never oh, goes right. You're always like falling behind. You're always trying to like catch up and keep on your number. Um, and then you get there and you get to see how it all shakes out. Like it is, it is very fun and very gratifying. It's like a, a humbling experience almost. I think by the time like everybody's race is over, they've, like they believe that they're going to win. We've been saying the candidate's name like 10,000 times in, in the election cycle. We see their face every day. The colors, like I never want to see my candidate's colors ever again. Like, and it gets drilled into you, right? And then on election day, you come back together with the group and everybody's just like watching the numbers come in, like watching the history of this year's election unfold in real time. And it was something that we were a part of. It's something that we're bought into both like physically, like having had worked it and being that exhausted and then emotionally, like giving that our all and recruiting a team and communicating with the candidates team every day that to see it wrap up win or lose is always a surreal experience. No, absolutely. I mean, building off of that, actually, were there campaign agendas that surprised you uh, or are just like uh, campaign actions, like especially like during election day or moving towards that kind of surprised you or like maybe, maybe impressed you or threw you off a bit? Mm. I was surprised none of the candidates won. Yeah. There got to a point where I knocked on my mom's door and I was about to pitch rank choice voting to her. And I'm like, wait, what was that doing? That's funny. <laughs> that's but funny. Yeah, that's, that's one curveball I didn't expect. I think for me, one thing that surprised me about my race was like, originally we were contracted for the race to end. The, for, I'm sorry, for, the, for the, the contract to end the day before election day. So, like, on election day, like, on the day before election day, I said goodbye to all my workers. I was like, all right, guys, like, it's been great. Like, this was a blast. Thanks. I'll let you know if we won or lost tomorrow night. And then that night, the client extended. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, you guys are doing right by this. Because, like, for me, like, I, I went through that whole program wondering, like, what are we going to do on election day? Are we going to be yeah. a part of it? And then on E-Day, the team actually got to go back and be a part of it. So that was something that surprised me. But didn't surprise me. I thought that they would come through at the end, but I was a little surprised that it took that long for them to actually choose like a visibility piece on election day because that's really important. It is extremely important. No, I mean that makes sense to me. I mean, you know, moving, I guess moving from that. What was your overall take on the primary elections for the candidates you worked for? You know, what what was uh, on the ground? What were observations that you were making? What were things you were thinking while everything was going on? Um, Staten Island is as conservative as everyone says it is <laughs> for sure. Um, and that's why, like, I personally wasn't, um, too surprised that our candidate wasn't victorious in Staten Island because she was a, a true blue, like real deal progressive. Um, and I think that she actually like won, I'm sorry that she got beat out by the guy who spent like the entirety of his career in smoke filled rooms, like kind of wheeling, like wheeling and dealing, like in an old boys club type situation which to me is like that's if a democrat is going to win a primary in staten island that democrat is going to win the primary in staten island <laughs> staten island really really does elevate the worst of us uh and it's it's a beautiful <laughs> thing to see uh sure. i'm from new jersey i can say that staten island is the new jersey of new york and i love it um it's like super super proud everybody hates on it kind of like for no reason um because it's actually like <laughs> it's listen like it's <laughs> Like, like, like we we were on the North Shore, right? Which is like a mix of like mansions and like Wu Tang history. 
So, yeah. so to me, like, it was a nice race to, like, be a part of. Like, I enjoyed the neighborhoods that we were walking in, like, yeah. across the North Shore. It was cool for me. Like, I and Staten Islanders are, like, really, really proud people. They're, like, they're in ethnicity within themselves. What? Um, and it was, it, it was, yeah, the, Staten Islanders are, uh, they are a proud people. Um, <laughs> it was, it was very, very interesting to be a part of it and to just realize that, like, there are parts of the city that aren't how the city gets stereotyped. Like, there are parts of the city that don't look like Midtown Manhattan or Brooklyn. Um, or the Bronx or Queens, right? It's Staten. It's its own thing. It's its own universe. What does it look like? What does it look like? It's suburbs? Like Jersey, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the candidates that we worked for um, could have been a lot, did a lot better had they um, focused more on visibility and actually being out inside the communities themselves, you know, with the canvassers. Yeah, that's something that is important that I think gets overlooked so much on campaigns. Like, yeah. you you put, like, a paid element out in the field. The number one thing that supplements that paid element is you as a candidate showing your face and knocking with them. Yeah. It's like the general has to go to war with the troops. Like, if that doesn't happen, it's just, it's not conducive to victory. It doesn't make sense. Um, and we had some candidates that got out and knocked, but we had a lot of candidates that didn't. That didn't, That yeah. didn't get out and knock. And, and the ones that actually went out, they did a lot better than the ones who didn't. So that goes to show a lot. Yeah, yeah, the proof is in the pudding on that. Yeah, I, mean, no, I was going to say, I, there were a handful of candidates I actually saw running around from polling location to polling location, just shaking hands yeah. with everybody saying hello. And, and they seemed like they, they people had better reception of them than even just campaign workers. Because you, you can say no to someone who's paid, basically, or, or someone who's volunteering on a campaign. But it's, it's harder, I guess, to say no or just like immediately just walk away from like the actual candidate themselves you know that fosters better conversations too of course for sure but you know with all of those things considered is there anything you all would consider doing different looking back you know hindsight's 2020 so i assume that you've probably thought of at least one or two things you know when i hear the term hindsight is 2020 i feel like a future time traveler Gave us that thing <laughs> to warn us, like, ah, yeah. uh, <laughs> 100% true. Yeah. Wow, you just blew my mind. Interview over, podcast <laughs> over. The government's I need, coming I need to go this. home they and think. Um, I feel like something that I probably would have did differently is really pitching to candidates about visibility, um, visibility, and then going for door knocking, and right after door knocking, call, um phone baking those people we just door knock so you can guarantee get those votes um just always having something done for that voter and to pin it in their head you know whether to go out and vote for them or and then especially now it's ranked choice voting you know you there, there's so much opportunity for a candidate to get a vote you have like five chances to get a vote right with ranked choice voting so um visibility um more visibility and door knocking, and right after door knocking, just really phone banking. Um, it, I think would pitching that to candidates would really had helped them. Definitely a VR campaign, voter registration. Um, I think that's super important, especially in these kind of communities um, where we're trying to like push a progressive <laughs> firebrand that's trying to take down some entrenched uh, asshole, basically. Uh, you need everybody registered to vote, so you should really try to plan that however you can, um, like before you can know that you're gonna run, honestly. Yeah, that is actually so really good. I mean, that's, hey man, Oculus. maybe in, maybe yeah, in elections right. one day, I don't know. Get everybody on VR chat, and then nobody has to leave their own. 
what, dude, I'm 100%. That, that is actually happening. Okay, One day. Yeah. 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 For sure. VR political rallies, 100%. Right? Oh, yeah, that's on its way. Yeah. And then you can, like, interact with the candidate. You can, like, like punch him, shoot yeah. up the blazer. Yeah. 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 Throw darts at the candidates you don't like. Yeah, no, no, no. And then you still get arrested in real life if you like, throw the banana at the candidate in the game. God, it's going to be a good future, man. <laughs> I think that if I could have done anything different, um, or like if, if like the candidates that we worked for could have done anything different, I think one thing that they don't think about when they contract us is that they know the turf better than like we ever will. Because like you are literally running to be council person or like to lead a constituency in this area. Like nine times out of ten, you were born and raised and went to the schools in this area. Like tell me that there are hills, bro. Like like like, <laughs> like tell me that there are hills. Tell me that when it rains, this place floods. Tell me I'm gonna need a van, right? Like because honestly, like listen, like we're adaptable. Mm-hmm. But the the less we have to adapt, the faster we get to a point of efficiency. Yes. Right? So it's like, that's the overall goal is to, like, reach a point of efficiency. And then once you reach that point, like, do better every day. So, like, for me, like, my personal, like, the way that I do feel for me is that I start timing myself. I time my rollouts, like, from the moment that the van leaves the meetup spot. Like, what time did the last canvasser leave the van? And if it took me 25 minutes to roll everyone out, like, tomorrow I'm trying to do it two minutes faster. Right, and like the lead up before election day is yeah. trying to beat yourself and challenge yourself in that way. Every minute is crucial. But you have to get to that point of building a system that's like, all right, this is the system that I'm going to rock with and try to improve over time. Yeah. And like, if you need a van and you don't start with a van, like you're going to spend your first week realizing that you need a van. So it's the job. It's like the job of, of really the candidate and the staff to come in and say, like, look, this is the area we're trying to support you as best as possible. And a lot of times what wants to happen is that paid field comes in and they're like, all right, like you guys are the professionals, figure it out when like a decent conversation would like set us a world apart in terms of preparation. No, I mean, I, and, I, and that's totally fair. Uh, you know, to be cognizant of y'all's time, I think we're, we're getting close to closing up. But before we do, are there any closing thoughts on y'all's end? Any, any, anything, you know, wisdom you'd like to impart, lessons you learn, anything of that nature? I shouldn't have dropped out of the game over it. I should have dropped out of the game over it. I shouldn't have dropped out of the game over it. I shouldn't have dropped out of the game over it. I shouldn't I've been a canvasser for so long, and I've noticed that when I door knock, it becomes a lot easier when the candidate is actually outside doing visibility work and making the making um, he or she known in the community because then we get way better conversations at the door. And then even after door knocking, um, ha- having a lot of people door knock and being very successful at that, phone banking becomes a lot easier. So just doing visibility work, um, really, really, really helps um, as a canvasser. So knowing that, I, I really would pitch that to candidates, just candidates actually being out there with uh, canvassers, doing door knocking, phone banking, all together, three like a triple package. You know, they they can't just do one without the other. It has to be all three done together. 
I think I, if I learned one thing, it's that if you're doing a race in Staten Island and it rains, don't take Slauson Avenue to the expressway because that shit floods and you will flood your van and you'll be stuck for an hour. Um, and then, yeah, just like just some insight for anybody who's listening who might be doing a race there. Uh, but if I did learn like one thing, um, it is the like for me personally, like my lesson, like if I grew in this, it was that being a more empathetic and like understanding field captain and like in the heat wave, give them a 40 minute break, not a half hour break and like, like allow them to recharge, care about them, check in on them from not from a place of like holding them accountable, but check in on them from a place of like, I care about you and are you okay? Cause it's freaking hot out and we're climbing hills and things like that. If you create that kind of a vibe on your race, um, I think that what you get from the, from the canvassers is just like a, like a, a, a tenfold deeper buy-in than you will ever get from people who you treat like workers. And that was a huge rate. Like that was a huge, yeah. like I learned that the day after election day when like all of the like Staten Island crew got together yeah. afterwards and like we're talking, like, like we're doing now talking war stories about the race and stuff like yeah. that. And I was like, wow, like family, like this is nice. That's and, and, and because of that, like I can honestly look back at that crew and say that was like in my entire career, that was my most favorite crew that I've ever worked with. Um, and it was because we all cared about each other. We created that vibe. So when I lost, it was a good time. Yeah, I think I, well, one thing that I would like to share with candidates um, is the importance of making your canvassers feel acknowledged because the more you actually show empathy and, and, and care for your canvassers, they actually make things happen for you. They knock on doors and make sure these voters are knowing your name and are going to vote for you, you know, and they bring back better uh, responses from people. For sure. Yeah, I mean, this is a passion project kind of job, you know. Like, yes. I do this because I'm, I love the project. I love the progressive project. I know not everybody working for me, all these canvassers, are going to feel the same way. But it's our job as our team to really build them up. And even if they aren't as passionate about getting, like, our candidate X elected because, like, he loves Medicare for all or something, um, there's something to go out and do an awesome job because they care about you as a field captain and their team members as you know, friends perhaps, and the company because we have their bag as a whole. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love what Ryan just said because it really is uh, the difference between uh, a canvassing company who puts people out on the field, doesn't give them any info, and just kind of like lets them loose, which I've, I've seen. <laughs> I've yeah, seen there's way more of them than there are. It sucks for them. <laughs> I talk to them on the field. I'm out here with my team and having a blast because we love what we're doing. Yes. And they're advocating for a different candidate and they just like, don't care whatsoever. And that, that sucks, man. That really, really blows because this is a special job. And if you could get your canvassers psyched, even if they don't give a shit about the politics, goddamn, that's a really cool thing when you get a team together um, and really push forward. So, yeah, that's, that's right. the end. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, that amazing advice and insight. I, I appreciate uh, all of you coming on today. Uh, once again, everyone, this is the Soul Strategies Podcast. I'm James Ray. Uh, this has been a discussion of Soul Strategies recently completed New York operations. Uh, thank you, everybody, for signing in. <laughs> Thanks, James. Thank you, sir. <laughs>